So either way, we're getting off on a poker tangent. But I just thought that was interesting that there's a crypto series of poker. If you want, go check out coinpoker.com, I guess, and and see if you know you want to play in the tournaments. See how it works. Now we really better have a referral. (laughs) 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 Yeah, God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. We are still broadcasting in the middle of the apocalypse, as promised, and I am not alone. With me today are my co-hosts, Brent Philbin. Hello there. And Adam Ruthless Levy. What's up? What's up? Uh, Before we go on, I would like to let you guys know, coming from the apocalypse, I am reporting, rioting, and looting. Oh I my am god! Reporting it, Brent. You've actually seen rioting and looting. No, Kareem. I am just reporting it. Never. I mean, told. I'm reporting uh, people just going to hike and act like there's nothing wrong in LA. Um, mm. Just like, some, yeah, what apocalypse? I saw some comments somewhere that. Um, online i'm sure but like somebody was like i don't know how to react to this thing i feel like i'm way overreacting and then way underreacting like just consecutively they just <laughs> constantly yeah. feel like they don't know how to <laughs> evaluate the threat i mean you look outside and you're like it, it, like right now i can see clouds in la it is so pristine outside like oh, yeah. it, it it's very fresh there's no smog because no one's on the road and it's just like that's just, all. A I just want to go outside to get you to go outside and catch the virus. God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because we were walking the dogs the other day, and uh, my girlfriend said something to that effect. She was like, "You know, silver lining is the Earth is getting a nice little uh, health reset. It's like yeah. a drug addict that just taking a couple of days off. You know, no traffic, no smog, no factories. I'm sure that that helps a little bit. Yeah, this oh, is the Mother lining. Earth correction." The, the market correction. But before we get into rapid fire, sorry, I got one little anecdote kind of for, for coronavirus. I ended up buying a board game from Amazon and finding out after I opened up the board game that that Amazon center had somebody test positive for coronavirus. I don't think I have it. I sanitized every box before I opened it or whatever. But the game was Pandemic. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. There could be. But by the way, Pandemic Season 1 is an amazing game. So it's a it's a game that the Pandemic is a normal game that's been around for a long time. But Pandemic Season 1 is a game that changes with every game that you play. Like permanently. Like it tells you to rip cards up, put stickers on the board, Ooh, like, like Gloomhaven. Yes, similar to Gloomhaven with permanent rules changes that you can never go back on and you only play the game for 1 year of time in the game which could be up to 24 games but it could be less than that and like you get to open up like cool packages and like, anyway it's pretty cool well wouldn't be a crypto basic show without brent's free advertisement of a random product oh yeah, yeah <laughs> i should have like an amazon for a link for that uh. all right so uh why don't we actually get started Uh, As we usually do with our rapid fire, just a reminder to the audience, these are stories that we're not going to cover in full, but headlines that caught our eyes. So we're going to take it to our rapid fire master, the fast, the ninja, 
the possibly frozen Adam Levy. Spit those rapids. No, seriously, frozen. Oh, wait, he's frozen. I was right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys, welcome to the rapid fire. Let's uh, let's get, let's get going. Fast. So right off the bat, global cryptocurrency wallet usage has tripled in the last three years. Um, so this is, I guess this is, you know, they someone took a coin wallet, uh, took a little dive into crypto wallet statistics is what the article is called. And basically in 2016, it was about uh, 10 million users. And by 2019, it, uh, late 2019, it's not users, sorry, 40 million wallets. So yeah, maybe like some of those 10 million users have opened more wallets, but I would say that most of those are probably new wallets. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. That's that's a lot of wallets, honestly. That's that's a it's a good chunk of people. So also adoption's increasing. Yes, indeed. So I don't know if anyone's really seen this, but Telegram, I guess on Tuesday or earlier this week, they basically got told, "Hey, you're not um, going to be allowed to open." Like by the your security and you can't use those is what the U.S. The district court said. Yeah, it was Tuesday. And they ruled in favor of the SEC. So, you know, your the Telegram's $1.7 billion token sale is halted. And by the way, is that... RIP. Is that the biggest ICO? Was there yeah. anyone anyone bigger? Which uh, one? EOS. EOS? EOS did like $4 billion, I'm pretty sure. They, they managed to really get a lot of money out of the community before they... Cr- release their shit product yeah they oh yeah four billion okay because they did it for a freaking year yeah um now, hey listen the, the dan's a genius what can i say we're going to talk more about him later in the episode so so just to talk a little more about telegram i guess there are devs that are pl- are plotting to launch telegram's blockchain without the company's involvement so because there's this thing called the the ton telegram online online network maybe um open network open network community foundation and it's a uh, more than two dozen software developers and investors who are looking to launch it and i guess because you know some of the stuff is open source that they could be i mean it's been previously published by telegram a lot of the code or all of it, actually. So really, they only need 13 computers for validators. And uh, like they would just need to generate the batch of transactions, the first, the Genesis, sorry, the Genesis blocks. And uh, they'd be off and running. I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous, but I mean, doable, I guess. That's how Bitcoin, that's how Bitcoin worked. Genesis blocks and then off to the races. So. There you go. Maybe we'll be seeing uh, Telegram moving forward with their coin, or not, not Telegram moving forward with their coin. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> so Coinbase Wallet they integrate DeFi now directly into the app. Uh, users will be able to borrow and lend crypto with interest throughout the app now. That's kind of cool. Hopefully they oh, don't. That must be because of the Coinbase, uh, the CUSD that we talked about on the last episode being integrated with the MakerDAO. That must be part of the solution. Mm. Mm. 
I could be wrong. That might not be that de- specific DeFi, but I, it sounds like it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I'm going to add this one real quick because uh, uh, it's relevant to me. But you know Coin Poker? Have you heard of it? No. No, <laughs> should I? I mean, it's, it's just – I think it's based on Casino Coin, but regardless – so, yeah, it's just like a poker platform, I guess. And they are running – a crypto series of poker that uh, started on like March 22nd. series of poker, yes. To the main event, which is this Sunday. Uh, Better it, be a one Bitcoin buy-in. It's a 0.25, or there's a 0.25 Bitcoin bounty on Tony G, who uh, is a, <laughs> he's well known in the poker community. So for those he, who don't play poker, this Tony G guy is just like a notorious asshole. But yeah. not like a pseudo lovable asshole like Phil Helmuth is. He's what? just like a dick. Wait, what? I feel like you just said the opposite of what I was thinking. Because no, like, Tony Guzga, he's like an angle shooter scumbag. Mm, he seems like more of a guy who's like kind of like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be kind of an ass, but also I'm gonna say funny shit and I'm gonna like like oh, he's funny and he's entertain funny. you. I don't I don't necessarily think. I mean. I would say Phil Helmuth, he's more likable than Phil Helmuth. I don't know. But so either way, we're getting off on a poker tangent. But I just thought that was interesting that there's a crypto series of poker. If you want, go check out coinpoker.com, I guess, and and see if, you know, you want to play in the tournaments, see how it works. Now we really better have a referral. Yeah, God. So moving on, I have a pop quiz for you guys. Okay. Which cities in the U.S. own the most crypto? And so are we uh, talking about the people in the cities or like the city governments themselves? The people in the cities. Ooh, like, I could go two directions here. My heart wants to think about where do people like the most crypto? Should I go somewhere in California? Should I pick Portland? Something trendy, something hippie. But another part of me thinks, no, Kareem, think about the fundamentals of wealth. You know, all that money's in New York and California. So I'm just going to play it easy and just say... New York, San Francisco, and wherever Silicon Valley is. Well, no, that that's San, I guess San that's yeah. I don't know if it was like a side city. So. Oh no, that would be San Jose. That's Santa Clara. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. So I'll, I'll go with those two. Okay, so I, I agree with New York City probably being number one. I do not know the name of any city in Wyoming, but <laughs> that is going to be my second guess. That the city will be inside of Wyoming because there's so many like crypto farms and stuff like that. Right. that are I'm really there. disappointed. Wyoma, Wyomville, Wyoming, Wyomio. Little, little Wyoming. <laughs> These are all <laughs> Wyoming cities, as everybody knows. <laughs> so I actually was going to kind of uh, like Kareem, you got it right, basically. It's San Francisco, number one, New York, number two. And then L.A. number three. Oh, I was going to throw L.A. in there. Ah, that would have been such a good flex. Yeah, you were, I feel like I was like ready to go. And then you kind of like, no, no, no. We got to go Silicon Valley. And uh, L.A. is just too big to discount, I think, like you said. But if you look at the like, – like they track it based on like user index, which I don't really know how that's tracked exactly. But like San Francisco is 100, New York is 92, and then L.A. is 57. So it really drops down – kind of uh like there's a big gap between san francisco new york and then moving on to la and 
even a gap between that and Chicago, which is number four. And so 40. where is Wyomingo? <laughs> Wyomingo, Wyoming. Uh, it is not on the list, but uh, damn, I was literally going to say, oh, it's actually a city in Wyoming. Uh, but then Brent just kind of guessed it, which is hilarious. We're all in each minds. So there are two other graphs. I mean, I guess this could have been an article, but uh, this is just a cool little piece. So this the place in America with the richest crypto owners, and that would be San Francisco, Palo Alto, like you said. It's all all four of them. It's top four are the Bay Area. Well, and yeah. No, I mean, just going back to, to why, you know, kind of guess in that direction is we're always tempted to go with our niche, right? So like we know crypto, so we want to think of specifically, but like at the end of the day, it's just a matter of wealth distribution. You only need a couple of guys who think crypto's worthwhile looking into when you're talking about billionaire hedge fund managers or stuff like that, you know, or people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars because they sold tech companies. So when they want to invest a little bit of money in Bitcoin, <laughs> It, it makes up for everybody that you think you know owns Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. the concentration of wealth. So, and then the last uh, chart that I, I looked at was actually pretty interesting. The city Ashburn, Virginia, actually has the most crypto owners per capita. I know nothing about Ashburn, Virginia. I mean, it's a city, so it has forty three thousand people in it. For some reason, wow. this is That's a left in my college. It's only 30 miles northwest of Washington, D.C. So maybe that's kind of like uh, a reason. But uh, Washington, D.C. is way down uh, on this chart. But what's interesting is that it's then it goes Redmond, Washington, which that's is that where Microsoft is, I think. And maybe, maybe? I don't know. I thought they were in Seattle. Well, yeah, like Washington. I mean, it's. They bought Red Hat, uh, the company. I it's Microsoft and Nintendo of America. Boom. Oh. And then lastly, after that, is literally six cities in California. It's like, <laughs> yeah, they're all, all six cities are in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. So you're very right, Kareem. And uh, I guess that's enough of this. So we got one more little tidbit. And uh, apparently, Congress was looking to create a digital bill, a digital dollar, I mean, in, in a bill. In the bill. In the stimulus bill. In the stimulus bill. And then I guess it ended up getting stripped from the latest revision of the USA coronavirus relief bill. And um, so right, I want to bitch about this real quick. So the, why there was ever even any mention of a fucking digital dollar platform in a bill any of this shit i got so mad at every single person that exists in the united states government obviously we have our issues with our current president but just overall why was there anything in this bill other than the money comes from here it goes here this bill is 800 pages long it's super complicated and what do we know from cryptocurrency and what do we know about charles hoskinson and how they're taking all this time to research and everything I can't wait to see all the corporate games that people are going to play with this bill because there is no way they created a bill this complicated that doesn't have a bunch of ways to game the system. Of course. And yeah. Of course. Like it, 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 the bill could have been this simple. Each American gets $2,000 a month. 
each business doesn't have to pay rent, and those are two separate bills or one bill or whatever. And instead, they're talking about, like, airline emissions and, like, all this ridiculous shit that they tried to attach. And it took them a week extra to pass this bill because they needed to fight each other uh, in our standard, like, American politics. I hate them all. Uh, my dad told me as long as I never became a politician in life, he would respect me no matter what I did. And I have put that to the test by being a very hard-to-respect human being. And he respects me, but he would not have if I went into politics. Fair. I mean, I agree. I definitely am with you there. I think it's been ridiculous. The, the U.S. is, is, I mean, we're in a, everyone's in a pandemic. This is about to be, I mean, this feels very dystopian. To be honest, like I went, I, my, my roommate went to Whole Foods uh, the other day and uh, it was literally like every, there were yellow lines, like, like tape on the sidewalks to denote like six feet, six feet in lines spaced around the block. People waiting, they only allowed 10 people to get into Whole Foods. You know, like we're on, like the, the, the way we're living has changed, is changing considerably. And these guys are trying to like, Put this bill in. No, put this bill in. No, put like put like this on the bill. This on, and it's like we need this to pass, and we need it to pass way faster than what how you guys were acting. So I agree. Kareem's got some more on that dystopian <laughs> future in a little bit, but you have something to say about your favorite company, Wild Foods. It's not my favorite company. It's our favorite company because they Wild Foods is the one, the only one that pays us any money. So that is, it's time for the Wild Foods ad, wildfoods.co, not .com.co. And we have all your ingredients, superfood needs. We are still in stock of a lot of things, especially with, we are, I mean, the sales have gone crazy, but we still have a lot of things in stock. The keto bar especially would be a nice little snack that you can have that's healthy. We're doing a lot of board eating right now. At least I am. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm trying to get over that. Uh, but they're the eating a high quality food while I'm bored is helpful. I do have a stack of the keto bars sitting in the kitchen. Also, we've got coffee, we've yep. got tea, we've got prebiotic probiotic that was just released as well as a uh, mushroom complex that was just released, which has correlation with immunity. I don't really understand that, but it is literally listed as an immune uh, health complex. So that is flying off the shelves. And honestly, uh, based on what's happening with our supply chain and everything, a lot of this stuff is going to stock out and it's going to be stocked out for some point of the foreseeable future. So if you've ever wanted to grab some coffee, grab some tea, any of this stuff from Wild Foods, now's the time. Crypto Basic 12, 12% off your order. Go get it. Uh, and I'm not saying that to be salesman Like I, I'm handling the supply chain, so I really think we're going to stock out on a lot of things. So <laughs> we're in like a harder position because we source from small farms. And a lot of small companies, as opposed to like a massive conglomerate that can keep the can keep the wheels churning in this situation. So they're all being affected and we want to give them as much business as possible and buy as much stuff as we can from them. But sometimes it ain't easy. All right. Well, enough of that, enough talking about wild foods. Let's talk about Bitcoin and gold. Wait, what? Bitcoin and gold spike the casino? What? No, just, it's supposed let's to. Let's talk about the Fed. How about that? OK, let's talk let's about the talk government. About the Fed. <laughs> we love the Fed. All right. So a couple of things, guys. Very interesting for the crypto market. This is one of those hypotheses that have existed about Bitcoin from the beginning, right? What was one of the original value propositions 
I'm talking about way back in the day when Satoshi created Bitcoin in the first place. One of the value propositions is nobody controls the money supply, right? Bitcoin is a deflationary asset that nobody can ever print more of just because they want to manipulate the supply. That's the whole point. And with our system currently, as you guys know, the Federal Reserve is having to respond to this crisis in the best way that they can with the tools that they have in our current system. So what is the Fed doing? Well, they have announced on Monday that they're going to launch a barrage of programs to help stimulate the economy. And usually when we've had these types of situations, like in 2008, there were specific targets, right? Like, all right, the Federal Reserve is committing to buy this many, you know, let's say it's 200 billion or 500 billion. It really seems that the commitment right now is unlimited, according to them. So we've actually reached that point that a lot of people were warning about of infinite money printing, all right? And they're also moving for the first time to be able to buy corporate bonds directly. The Federal Reserve is also going to create a lending program for Main Street businesses. So it's $300 billion that's going to be allocated because one of the things that's going to happen during this credit crisis, I mean, during this crisis is that you'll see credit dry up, right? Banks are going to be less interested in lending out money, which is even more difficult for the economy because this is a time where people probably need loans the most. So there's an intervention here. We create some currency and the Fed essentially fulfills its role of being the lender of last result, which was the original uh, kind of purpose. Uh, but there's more, of course. And I this quote in the article that I was reading is very interesting. The central bank is shifting from being not just the lender of last resort, but it's now the buyer of last resort. Don't ask how much they will buy. This is truly QE infinity. So that's wow. a quote from Chris Rupke, who is uh, an economist at a union bank, uh, MUFG Union Bank. But the point is made, guys, like we're kind of transitioning into a weird phase where on the one hand, we want the Fed to step in, right? Like we need emergency lending. We need emergency relief for a lot of people. But this is where our system is really broken because now the Fed's going to be able to infinitely print money and some of that money is going to be used to buy real assets. And ultimately, the Federal Reserve is not really a public entity. So it's kind of really, really uh, weird and strange. Uh, but anyway, let's continue. In or they've also lowered the repo rate. Remember, we covered before the coronavirus crisis, we, we talked about how there was some shakiness in the repo market that didn't really make a lot of waves. But people forget the Fed had to start this kind of pseudo quantitative easing program a couple of weeks back or months back. Remember when the repo markets crashed overnight? We covered it on the show. Uh, well, anyway. They're lowering the overnight lending rate from 0.1% to 0%. So again, unlimited, essentially free money here. And all of this is going to be backed by the Treasury Department. So the reason I brought this up in relation also to crypto and gold is this is where the two assets are going to be tested in their own kind of separate ways. Gold's really already been tested and established. We know that during hyperinflation or if there's a lot of printing, gold is considered a... Uh, safe asset, a safe harbor, right? And it jumped. It's starting to jump up. There's also some complications with like paper contracts and futures, gold and all that stuff. But here it is. Bitcoin's about to begin the crisis. Uh, unlimited quantitative easing has been announced. It's almost undoubtedly that the US money supply is about to increase drastically. Uh, Bitcoin's about to get tested. That original proposition that 
having a currency that nobody could control was going to be crucial is about to get tested. And yep, because we're going to go through another round of bailout city and we're going to see who gets bailed out, who doesn't. We're going to see the kind of corruption on the forefront. And I've been torn between two different schools of thought on this uh, the entire time. I actually think that this is significantly more appropriate to bail out companies that didn't act scummy uh, in this in- instance, because this is not something that we could have seen. It's not like the credit crisis with the with the houses where they were doing shady shit. We should have seen that coming. This is a true, you know, black swan, completely right. unpredictable event, although, you know, it could have been predicted a little bit better in the short term by people in different governments. But we couldn't see this coming. We could see the recession indicators, but a complete snap of the like a Thanos mm-hmm. snap of the fucking economy like nobody saw that coming. So I kind of think that if we hadn't abused the bailout system in the past, that this would have been the time that like, OK, here's the, <laughs> here's the time where we could actually do it. But again, same thing like I was saying with that bill, it, it passed, but you're going to be able to game the shit out of it. And this we're going to see a territory. lot of favoritism. And uh, yeah. I know that definitely the the crypto anarchists, true Bitcoiners, are mad, pissed. Like that, this is even a possibility. It looks like it's somewhere around eighteen thousand dollars per person is being used, uh, of which we get twelve hundred. Um, if you qualify, yeah, yeah. If, if you qualify, right for, for the right. twelve hundred. Although the and qualifications, they remove that like poor people get less money thing, which is. Which they try to open with, which is absurd, of course. Like, I mean, (laughs) but here's the problem, right? Like the government still works the way it does. And I think that that's what this crisis is really showing. I agree with you, Brent. Like this is different than 2008. Even I'm one of the people that's mad at the way the crisis of 2008 was handled. And there's still going to be some companies that probably don't deserve bailouts, right? Like the, like Boeing, I think came out and said, uh, Oh, if the government wants any equity, then we don't want the bailout. Well, if you don't want the bailout, that means you don't need the bailout because like right. the bailout sounds like you need it, right? But on the other hand, there's all kinds of businesses that are what? Restaurants, bars, entertainment industry, people mm-hmm. that were doing concerts, coffee shop, like what? Everybody needed to be prepared for the sudden shutdown of the economy? No, I think that's kind of silly. There's the so problem- many industries that are just in need of a bailout, which is yeah, they're just right. unprecedented. Completely unprecedented. But now here's where the problem actually lies. Now that they're trying to solve the problem, the full-time lobbyists don't stay home. Like that, they're not that worried about coronavirus, right? Like the bill is being written and the crisis, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. So now you have entire armies of lobbyists that have the people who work for them, which are these most of these congressmen making laws right now. So there's all this battle making sure where's the money going to go, who gets a share of the resources, who gets the fattest bailouts, you know, and there's uh yeah, man, it's it's just the way that the system works now, right? Like it's hard to get around that. It's kind of like China did it because China's so authoritarian, they did a great job containing the virus after a certain point. But also because of their system of government, they didn't let people report on it. They had press oppression. When somebody tried saying, hey, we have a crazy virus here, instead of immediately thinking, how do we handle it? They immediately think, how do we suppress this so it doesn't make the party look bad? So the Chinese system had inherent things that prevented them from handling it in a particular way. Well, 
the American system, you know, I'm not trying to be biased here on left or right, but a system that is completely dominated by donors, a donor class and a lobbyist group in Congress is not suited to deal with a crisis that is affecting the general population. And I think it's going to be on display and people are going to get more and more frustrated. Congress isn't capable right now. There's, it's just, they can't. I'm telling you, they're not going to be able to deal with this crisis. Uh, yeah, this I got to really show the like shine the black light on the problems that we've yeah had, and that's what crises usually do. I, I just have a question about the uh, QE quote from Chris Rubke. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that they can now buy as well. So if let's say Boeing, for instance, is just like yeah, we need a bailout, but instead they're like no, 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 we're not going to bail you out, but we'll just buy your company now. We own Boeing. Is that what you're well, saying? With- not exactly, not exactly, but they're buying tangible assets, right? So like, look, growing up, one of our favorite questions was like, hey, who owns the most land in all the world? Who's the largest real estate owner in the world? Anybody knew what the answer was to that a couple of years ago? It was always McDonald's, right? Like, oh, McDonald's owns more land than anybody else yeah. in the world. They're basically a real estate company. That's not the case anymore. The largest owner of real estate on the planet is the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve has all of this because they essentially own all of the mortgage-backed securities that all of these institutions had to dump. But again, that was bought with printed money. So even though in the middle of the – like made-up money, you know what I'm saying? That That is devaluing the overall supply. So not only is money being printed to go into the economy and try to stimulate it, but it's different to just give money to everybody so they can spend it. That's different from saying, okay, we'll buy these bonds. So now, I'll, and then we'll buy these mortgage backed securities and we'll buy all of these real assets. So slowly but surely, real tangible assets are being transferred to the Federal Reserve. So, I mean, that, wow. that's the problem here. And they can print unlimited money. And by the way, this is not just the Federal Reserve. So, for example, the Japanese central bank is also one of the largest owners of stock because they've been buying a bunch of stock. But think about what it means to compete in a market where one of the parties that can buy stock gets to print their own money. That doesn't really make <laughs> sense. You know that what I'm saying? Like, it just, all. Yeah, Pure, it just doesn't. We're in a broken system right now. And I'm not saying that the central banks are necessarily evil. Like, like if you were the head of the Federal Reserve right now, you would probably be doing a lot of this stuff because it's like, here are your tools and you need to do what you can. So if you have a hammer, you just try to hammer the problem as much as you can. But clearly, these problems are more complicated than hammers, and there's in, like structural flaws in our system that are getting exposed that a lot of people already knew. But cr- crisis is a crisis, right? Everything comes to to the forefront. Yeah, and what I'm worried about is that none of these structural holes can be filled in the current climate that we have. Like, we don't have people that are willing to cooperate with each other. We had a pretty we had a pretty simple operation of make sure. You know, Americans don't panic. Honestly, if in the situation where this bill needed to pass and they were just fighting over stupid shit, I think Americans would have been out rioting if it wasn't literally bad for them to be next to each other. Yeah. Like as quickly if this were some other form of crisis that was not like viral in nature, people would have been in the streets because this is like, how did this happen? It's historically very difficult to get Americans to riot for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, no. But yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. Um, we, we we're will not, see how we're plays not out. there yet, Brett, unfortunately. We're yeah. not no, at the but, rioting point. Well, they passed it. I, no, and I meant like the bill, but I mean like things could get really bad. 
you know what the real scary part about this is? Honestly, the biggest one for me is we are just getting started. The, the United States, like even though everything feels so surreal now, every chart that I look at, every, like everybody that shows we're lagging Italy, right? Like if you look at the cases, our deaths and all that stuff, we're just a couple of weeks behind them. It's like 21 days or seven days. And we're following day by day on point. Like if you saw where America was on day seven and you wanted to see where we were going to be on day 14 and you did it by looking at Italy's numbers, you'd get pretty close. Yeah, we were lockstep. We ended up surpassing them pretty quickly. Surpassing them. That's right. So so we're just getting started. We really, we've only gotten to the point where everybody's freaked out and a couple of people are dying. We haven't really gotten to the point where people are being turned away from the hospital because they're full. We haven't gotten to the point where people are dying without medical care because we didn't have the resources to address it. And when that starts happening, I think you're going to see the social emotion crank up a couple of levels. So as weird as things are, we still haven't peaked. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. This is going to be the whole world's... uh the the whole world's in a in a shitty spot with this. All um, right, hold on, Brent. Could you just maybe change the topic a little bit and cheer us up? Maybe talk about uh, I don't know what what's the next story. I'm sure there's something really positive here. Oh, the U.S. Congress. Never mind. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we, <laughs> this was this was interesting. It's coronavirus adjacent. We have well, not adjacent. This is coronavirus. <laughs> there were four U.S. senators that were caught dumping stocks after immediately after a private briefing. On the coronavirus in February, like at the beginning of February, the names of the centers were Richard Byrd, Diane Feinstein, uh, Feinstein, sorry, Kelly Loeffler, and James Inhofe. In in Hoffel, in Hofe. Anyway, those were the four that definitely sold stocks because they're reporting correctly what they did, and who knows how many people did it and didn't report uh, because we don't have quite the transparency on the stock market as we do on the Bitcoin blockchain, but the Richard Burr even had a meeting with a bunch of other rich people after this happened where he had a, had this quote. There's one thing I can tell you about this. It's much more aggressive in its transmission than anything that we've seen in recent history. Uh, it's probably more akin to the 1918 pandemic referring to the Spanish flu, which is absolutely insane. That was his private comment to a group known as the or they were something like the Tar Heels or something like that. I don't know. You had to pay somewhere between. 500 or $500 and $10,000 to even be at this event or be a part of this. And, uh, <laughs> the donor class, baby. Yeah. So those are his public or his private comments. His public comments were like, we've got this under control. Don't worry. Like the, the U S is going to be fine. Stuff like that. So we've never and, been more prepared is what he said on ne- tweet. We've never been more prepared. Jesus. Uh, the best, pre- we're the best prepared, best prepared. But of course he's, he's selling, more than he sold in a single day in the last like you know eighteen months or something insane. So I can't blame people for taking some money off the top on some of these stocks. I took it uh, when I was rebalancing. I took Tesla and I was scared to put more money into uh, new stocks. I left cash, not because the coronavirus. This was before that. I Tesla became too big of a portion of my portfolio, and I wanted to rebalance. I sold and I just let it sit there because I'm worried about all these recession indicators that we've been talking about on this podcast for six months. And then I just kind of got lucky that I happened to have the cash versus the uh, uh, versus the actual stocks. So uh, anyway, that just little insight into what I did. You know, not that I had any private <laughs> knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, were well, you part of the private? Yeah, intelligence briefing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Brent's anyway, ten k to be a Tar Heel. 
crypto connection though i i remembered looking at these names i'm like one of those names looks familiar and then they had said that one of the uh that one of them was the wife of the chairman of the new york stock exchange I'm like where have i heard that before and i looked up the name and i'm like holy shit kelly loffler was the ceo of uh backed so i wrote that in the discord and then kareem comes right in and he's like she also wasn't elected and i completely kind of forgot about that whole thing so yeah this is the person who was running back that we, when she became a senator, we were like, wait, she just gets to be a senator? Like, somebody just says you're a senator now and it's fine? And you're there for six fucking years? What the hell? Uh, and and then she immediately shows why that's a bad decision. And, uh, and No, she immediately shows trade. why she was picked. Oh, right? well, okay. Because yeah. she's an insider, right? <laughs> because, it, like, any time that, you know, common folk like you and me think, oh, wow, they picked a crypto person. Maybe there's hope. No, you m- dummy. They picked an insider who also makes money on crypto. <laughs> like they don't yeah. pick. Like it's nothing good, unfortunately, ever <laughs> with these power gains. Yeah, and she she said, uh, ah, "I don't even touch my portfolio. Somebody else does that. I didn't even know about this stuff for weeks until after it happened." Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. A- a real question, guys. Which one of these is more egregious? I got to point out the because they both infuriate you in different ways. Burr sells all his stock. Tells wealthy donors, hey, everybody, this is going to be as bad as the worst flu in history. And then goes on Twitter and tells everybody, we're great. Nobody worry. America's awesome. That's that's that one. seems like the sense. worst thing out of, out yeah, of everything. For sure. He's the worst. But this one, at least he could pretend like, oh, the stock selling? I, I just, um, I, I, I was done. Listen, this woman not only sold all the stock, but then she bought a ton of stock in a company that specializes in stay-at-home work. Oh, I forgot she bought Systrix. Yeah. Yep. Specifically I mean, a oh, remote work company. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? You get the private briefing and you just randomly invest in stay-at-home work company and sell the rest of your stock? No, bro. Come on. Prison. Oh, sorry. One last cherry on the top that Brent didn't mention. Burr was one of the only three senators who voted against the bill that would make it illegal for senators to engage in insider trading. So at least he's sticking to his morals. He's, oh, okay. very, <laughs> no, no, no. I want to trade. I at least he's not flip-flopping here. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, He's not a yeah. flip-flopper. No, he he definitely let us know that he was a scumbag. So this is this is also interesting because in a push for a decentralized world, we don't have protections on insider trading. So uh, but at least if there was more transparency, we could see that the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange's wife sold a bunch of stuff and then bought some work from home companies. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but anyway, I, I certainly while we're living within the realm of law and order, I would very much like to see some consequences here. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. I think it's time to uh, talk more about coronavirus. We haven't talked about it enough. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, from an expert on some of the lasting consequences of the 9-11 attacks. We're going to talk about some of the possible lasting consequences of the coronavirus attacks. Gotcha. Right. Okay, so for those of you that didn't get that joke, Brent's just being racist. All right, so <laughs> on to the I actual travel with you. On I to the actual story. <laughs> um, no, this is just um, it's not groundbreaking news. It's just a reminder of overlap between industries. So this was a headline that basically says something along the lines of coronavirus crisis may highlight the overlap between the surveillance state and the cryptocurrency industry. So this piece was focused on an Israeli company called NSO Group, and they are currently developing a 
app or a product, a digital product that monitors the spread of coronavirus. They're not the only ones, uh, but this is a big company and it's currently being tested in over a dozen countries. Now, here's the thing. NSO is most well known for selling spyware to progressive governments like that of Saudi Arabia. You know, good guys. And uh, their surveillance technology, of course, has attracted a lot of criticism. And in particular, they do some shady shit, like, for example, covertly accessing phones, activating cameras, and collecting user data and location data without permission. So spyware, right? And the interesting part here is that some of the top individuals, founders, and number one investors, they actually have a lot of their hands in the crypto industry as well. So the co-founders, Omri Lavi and Shalev Julio, both invested in a Bitcoin startup called Simplex. And their biggest investor, Eddie Shalev, uh, invested in non-custodial wallet Portis, the exchange platform eToro, and the privacy startup uh, QEDIT. Credit. Uh, and this is a little bit reminiscent, guys. If you remember, there was a spark of outrage in 2019 when Coinbase acquired Neutrino. That's and- where I remember this from. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So they had uh, acquired a program which was funded by three members of an Italian surveillance vendor called Hacking Team. And Hacking Team had engaged in a bunch of shady stuff with the governments and all this. So when that story blew up, Coinbase response was, okay, okay, well, these people, the the three that everybody's worried about are going to transition away from Coinbase. Uh, well, there's been no update on that. And they were reached for comment and they refused to comment. So good chance none of those people left. It's just what they said at the time. Wow. Um, and I guess we put this story in here because since we're all very passionate about crypto and a lot of our listeners are, it's very easy to conflate your ideals about the space with the space. But cryptocurrency is not necessarily uh, a tool for liberation or freedom or whatever. It's just a tool. Blockchain is a tool. It's a technology, just like the internet. It can be used for liberation or oppression. It could be used for surveillance. It can be used for protection. So there's going to be all kinds of overlap, and the powers that be will use the technology just like everybody else. And hopefully, we can keep decentralizing power. It's still a great tool for decentralization, so I'm very hopeful about the future of cryptocurrency. But, you know, there's a lot of nuance and great. We have we haven't seen there's there's always going to be good with you know there's always going to be bad with the good you yeah. know there's always like different ways that things can get spun I mean you know some might argue social media is terrible from <laughs> and they would but, be right like, was, yeah, but that, <laughs> well, I mean I I have a different stance but I would say that internet created social media so it's like there's certain things that just kind of like you can't just like you you kind of forget that you know, things get created by a certain technology and you just kind of have to be maybe not okay with it, but just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. This also serves as a little bit of a reminder that, that in times of crisis, some things can come up that sound really good. Like a company tracking the spread of coronavirus through blockchain sounds like it could be helpful in a time like this. Right. But if you give up those particular freedoms necessary to allow something like this to happen you're not going to get them back so that's mm-hmm. the that and edward Snowden yeah, just came after. out about this it uh talking about the talking about these things where like if you kind of give up your freedoms in order to fight something that is the common enemy 
it is very unlikely that they will go back to being the way that they were. We can see that with the 9-11 attacks and, and we can see the start of it now in something like this where it could be really tempting to say, yeah, I want to work with these guys who are going to try and find people who might have coronavirus and not say they have it or something like that. So just be careful as we go forward. Like Adam said earlier, Whole Foods seems dystopian when you're standing six feet away from each other. How much of this is still going to be a part of our lives in 10 years is something we need to be careful of. And turning to a company like NSO Group that we don't understand with possible nefarious reasons behind it is not a good idea. It's one one vowel off the NSA. I don't know. Be careful. <laughs> Maybe that's what they uh, intended. It, it could, I don't even know what NSO stands for. It could be National Surveillance Organization. I do want to just quickly mention why I think social, just to think about where, how screwed we'd be if social media was not around when the coronavirus was happening. Sure. Maybe if you want to say it's bad, whatever, like we're addicted. Cool. But like the amount of uh, like, we would have just, if it was 20 years ago, we would just be absolute getting even like, like we would be getting pummeled by this virus way worse than we are now because the spread of information, I mean, yeah, the internet would have helped to some extent, but like just the fact that all of a sudden, like Rudy Gobert goes on TV uh, or like coughs into a mic, gets coronavirus, and then it's just spread throughout the entire internet, like pretty quickly because someone, you know, because he tested positive for coronavirus and someone tweeted it out, there's footage, like, that kind of created the hysteria. Then NBA completely locks down. Like we would have, it would have taken so much longer for the dominoes to fall. And we would have been so much more. I mean, we're still in a very bad situation, but for stuff like that, when you, I feel like when you zoom out and you look at what social media is actually doing, it's like, no, it's, yeah, just don't care about the information. It's more about the technology and the technology allows the spread of information. No, I feel you. And just to be clear, like when I say, Oh, social media is terrible. What I really mean is social media and the way that it has developed has created a lot of new problems that our society has to deal with, but it is not inherently awful or inherently good. And it has saved us in many ways. A hundred percent social media is giving us an ability to connect to each other, to communicate with each other, to stay in touch with each other in ways that we couldn't have before. A hundred percent. It's also uh, spreading misinformation at a faster rate than ever before, spreading conspiracy theories. It's also creating depression, uh, body dysmorphia, you know, unrealistic expectations. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist or that it's not a positive addition. It's just like everything else in our history, right? Like we we create a new tool and that creates new problems. And until we, you know, it takes decades sometimes to recognize the problem, start addressing the problem, and then finally create solutions to the problems, right? So that. Precisely. Yeah. Yep. But at the same time, if the information can't spread so quickly, does Rudy douchebag decide to be an idiot and touch all the mics and and want to get like that? I don't know. There's people licking toilets on airplanes. That wouldn't happen without social media either. What? (laughs) No, no, I I get it's it it magnifies the desire. Like, right. That's a common trait. The the clown or the person who's being silly gets attention. But now everybody has exposure to the people that are getting attention and people want to get attention and you can make money and get famous doing stupid stuff, being a Logan Paul type of person. Uh, 
There's no doubt that that it can be used expo- exploited in different ways, but it's more about like you know you have the technology, you don't know how the users are going to use the technology. Always is the issue, and that Adam was just banging his table there for anybody who's wondering what that is. He was getting fired up. He's like, I'm so Adam, fired up in the gavel. Speaking of social media, Brent, uh, you want to talk about uh, one of the most prevalent crypto characters on social media, uh, Justin Sun, and the the drama with Steemit. Got a little update on the Justin Sun Steemit drama. We do we do need to have some non COVID adjacent crypto news here, <laughs> so we'll talk about the biggest virus in the crypto space, Justin Sun. <laughs> and, oh come on brent that's so <laughs> fucked up what about craig Wright? continue oh yeah you're right damn it well he's been quiet lately justin oh. sun's been still trying to stay relevant anyway so we talked about justin sun trying to take over the steam blockchain and how the steam community was trying to stop him right they were do they were coming together they were trying to stop this guy they were trying to make his coins not worth money uh they completely failed so he was able to use his new purchased coins on the Steemit blockchain to put in witnesses. Uh, also, I made a mistake on the last episode. I said 51 witnesses. It's only 21. I don't know why I said 51. Uh, but there, he was able to put in, I think all of them now are Justin Sun friendly. All of the Steemit developers quit in solidarity to protest the fact that he was there. And Justin also was able to start censoring posts on the actual steam it app so apparently he can hide them by because he purchased it and also he can download <laughs> them with the full power of 60 million steam tokens which basically means you can never be seen if you're downloaded by him so this the steam platform was supposed to be about upvotes he was able to make it about downvotes so anything critical of his takeover of steam it was being hidden so the steam community forked and they forked into a new coin called Hive. If you compare the market caps, they are not even close. Hive has basically no value uh, at the moment of, of this thing. Who knows if it comes up? Uh, so Hive.io is what they they switch to. They are calling it the first decentralized social network. But the the key here was that there was sixty million coins that were owned by the Steemit Foundation that or Steemit Inc. Sorry, not a foundation. Steemit Inc. And when Justin purchased those, those were the ones that gave him the power. So they bricked those coins in the forks, so they don't exist anymore. Uh, so they forked over, and, and now Justin doesn't have that capability on the new blockchain. Hilariously, he is also trying to do the same thing. So anybody who activates their Hive wallet, he's trying to get deactivated on Steemit. So if you activate Hive wallet, his now friendly block producers are going uh, one of their proposals is that they're going to delete your coins from that blockchain so we've got two just complete dog shit show things that are fighting with each other all created of course by dan larimer creator of eos he's a real good person at creating something noping the fuck out of it and letting it destroy itself We'll see I just what hear the I just hear the circus music like do 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 whenever of Justin Sun or any of this uh, shit show you know pops up. I'm sympathetic to the Hive fork community and how they had to fork and deal with Justin Sun. There's nothing about any of this that's a decentralized blockchain. All this is is the exactly. whale on Steam creating their own blockchain to fight with Justin Sun's blockchain, and you have two centralized blockchains acting like assholes to each other. 
Did they say they're the first? Because I feel like there's been plenty of decentralized social I, that networks. That was a uh, they and did I, say that, but obviously there are other attempts at decentralized <laughs> networks. First of all, Adam, shame on you for taking any of the marketing comments of any crypto project seriously. Everybody knows words don't mean anything in this space. But <laughs> more importantly, <laughs> like Shh. this is the problem with the. Uh, I've never had literally any love for any of these blockchains that validate on some kind of uh you know selecting the special people that get to validate or the people that own the stuff like eos um steam any of this stuff. look I, even i want i want to try to remember maybe it was the what's the korean like business one like unless you're specifically saying hey we're a business blockchain that's going to be run by businesses and it is what it is we're not but like anything that's trying to pretend like we're going to go to you the people and we're going to be decentralized however <laughs> These 25 people make all the rules because they have all the money. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, not really revolutionary there, boys. I'm sure nobody ever will be able to fuck with it or take it over or anything like that. Oh, somebody did? You mean that if somebody just takes control of this, they take control of the whole thing? Wow, imagine that. So crazy. I would say this is a failed purchase, but we'll see. Maybe he can get it going or whatever. He's going to make everybody move to Tron eventually, I think. So uh, he... He purchased BitTorrent, didn't do shit with it. He purchased this. <laughs> He's just looking for a use case. He's like, come on. I got to find a way to use my Tron network somehow before it's gone. <laughs> you know, actually, Brent, when we covered Tron way back in the day, one of the things that we said, I want to say it wasn't for a war. Maybe it was for a cover. But when we did the one-on-ones at the end, we would try to come up with both sides or something. And one of the things that we said was it's possible they have so much money, like EOS, right? Tron has now so much money. That if they manage to buy something productive, they could turn it around. Well, you know what? Now that some time has gone by, I forgot about the constant that is Justin Sun. Yes. It's actually not possible, right? Because yeah. he's just going to destroy everything. He's always going to come in at it from the wrong angle. He's never going to be interested in creating real value. So even if he somehow stumbles on a productive project, he will manage to destroy it through being himself. He's yep. like a king midas of shit in the crypto world so <laughs> i take it back there is actually no chance for tron to turn things around i used to think there could be i spoke out of ignorance i apologize to the audience and to adam for giving false hope <laughs> yeah i i'm, oh, I'm glad adam finally put his foot down on that uh no more on, on becoming no, no more tron the... moon boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i thought okay well that's the end of that i thought we were done with the coronavirus talk but i was wrong we have more. We yeah. have more coronavirus adjacent news. It Yay. is the it is coronavirus Friday here on the flagship Friday yeah. crypto news basic show. But this time I am not being sarcastic. I saved the last story on Corona to be kind of positive and interesting, and to give us all warm feelings about the space. Nice. So there is a group, a mining group in the United States called CoreWeave. They are the largest Ethereum mining group in the United States. All right. There is also a research program at Stanford University called Folding at Home. It's a folding at home program. And essentially what Stanford did is in order to do uh, research on diseases, they need to simulate the folding of a bunch of proteins and how they interact with each other and how they interact with different compounds and all this stuff. But these molecules are so complex and difficult that the simulation is 
massive, massive orders of magnitude. So in order to speed the process, instead of just having a supercomputer, they created a program that very much like Golem, people can donate their spare processing power in order to help uh, the research of all of these diseases. And apparently, this program already played a pretty significant role uh, when it came to AIDS research. So recently, this program, Folding at Home from Stanford University, announced a specific it's a cool name, right? Folding at Home for sure. <laughs> I, I added a link here. You know, we'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody's interested, I'm sure they could use all the help they can get. But um, they recently announced a project to try to come up with understand COVID-19 better, try to come up with some kind of a solution, cure, uh, see if there's any existing. uh, uh, Here's a specific quote. Their protein simulations attempt to find potential pockets where existing U.S. Agency Food and Drug Administration approved drugs or other non-compounds could help inhibit or treat the virus. Because this wouldn't be creating a, a cure from scratch and then having to go through human trials. But this is saying, hey, we already have all kinds of compounds. Let's just simulate how it interacts. Well, long story short, um, CoreWeave is redirecting all of its processing power. All right. 6,000 GPUs towards research to find therapy for the coronavirus. And That's pretty sweet. It is very sweet. And what's really cool here, guys, is... These GPUs are so – I mean, think about what GPUs are good at, right? They're designed for repetitive calculations. There's a reason why we're, they're used in crypto mining. And it's so powerful. Just to give you a reference point, this redirection from CoreWeave literally doubled the processing power of the project. All right? Wow. And as a, as a point of reference, according to the CEO of the mining group, CoreWeave makes up about – 0.2% of the Ethereum total hash rate. And they make about 28 Ethereum a day mining, which is worth about $3,600. So that's more or less what they're donating to the Decent cost. Decent-sized donation. Absolutely. Absolutely, 3600 a day. And they're not the only ones. There's been also uh, other communities that have jumped on board. So, for example, the founder of tuliptools.com, Johan Tanzer, put out a call to Tezos miners. They're called Bakers. And he offered a small reward, 15 Tezos, uh, to whoever would be the leading contributor to Folding at Home from the Tezos miners. Well, a bunch of people heard the call. 20 groups of Tezos miners are now contributing uh, in some way to Folding at Home. And people heard about the the 15 Tezos that are being contributed, which is like $20, and offered to contribute more. So now that's like $600 of prize money. One little note, though, is even though ASICs are more powerful than compute than GPUs, since they're designed specifically for that one task, right, application-specific, right, they can't uh, really help in this process. You need something more flexible like a GPU. So since the Bitcoin network, for example, is mostly dominated by ASICs, we shouldn't expect a lot of the big Bitcoin mining groups to do something like this. Um, but anyway... It's just a reminder, right, I guess. Networks that are bricked ASICs, you know, that that's cool. Like Grin or mm-hmm, I think Monero mm-hmm. did a while back. and Yeah. So anyway, the link's on there. I, I just thought it was cool. It's a way in which the space can help. And also like a reminder that even though all of this computing power is going towards uh, protecting these blockchains and mining these currencies, it can be redirected at different times. Like the network is already in place now, right? And they have the ability to coordinate a significant amount of computing power 
going in direction A or direction B. And it's probably a good time to remind the audience because I was surprised when I learned this. But right now, Bitcoin is the largest computer network in human history, right? The most processing power aimed at one thing ever. So it's cool here that some of that is being directed. That's really Yeah, cool. so we wouldn't have these giant farms of GPUs if it wasn't for the cryptocurrency network either. Uh, you know, I, maybe some other thing would have evolved or something, but sure. gamers are going to have one GPU, maybe two, maybe three if they're really serious. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. actually I don't even know if you can do three. So two, two in SLI would would work. And that's and, and then when they put this call out and what they've probably been doing for Folded Home before has just been some gamers been like, OK, I'll do this. And but now we have literal just gigantic farms of graphics processing units just sitting there that can be like, all right, yeah, we'll go over here and point. That's if something were to come out of this, it would be forever a tangible specific thing that I could point to for the value when, when, when people who don't understand crypto. And again, what I say to people who don't is I'll take the time to explain this to you. And most people, when I'm done explaining it to them, get it. They understand where the value comes from. It's hard for me to explain it just out off the bat. But what I say is the value is one, it can be traded for goods and services Two, the, the network behind it is massively valuable. Mm-hmm. And this is a real tangible reason that it's massively valuable. Mm-hmm. And lastly, let's not forget, just to bring it back to the beginning of the show, also because the supply can't be manipulated, that's significant. And at least we're yeah. going to see how significant it is now that the fiat supply of the world is about to go way up. So we got one more little piece of this puzzle. Adam, you got some shots fired over here from uh, somebody we like. Uh, yeah. I mean, somebody you guys love. Someone who I'm like kind of all right on. Uh, oh, so you, Yeah, well, you like Justin, so. <laughs> uh, well, I'm shooting sh- fires right. Uh, I'm shooting shots right now at Brent. And uh, so anyways. Some Cardano members decided they were going to include a blurb on Ouroboros, the algorithm that powers Cardano, in the proof-of-stake Wikipedia. And I guess it got taken down, and I kind of agree with Wikipedia in taking it down, to be honest. Uh, So the shot's fired before we kind of get on to discuss who's right, who's wrong, whatever. Um, It's basically... I guess David Gerard, who's, I guess, a notorious, he's like, he has never liked crypto and uh, he's the Wikipedia editor, says that Cardano is self-promoting and needs to be covered by the mainstream media, not the crypto press. Ironically enough, this is found at uh, on Decrypt, which is the crypto me- crypto press. And, and, you know, I, I, I get it to some regard. Like, you know, it's not like, you're going to be listing the Daily Stormer or something, you know, when you're, uh, you know, in Wikipedia articles or something. There's like certain news sites where it's like, OK, Decrypt isn't that. I want to clarify. I, lo- I love Decrypt. I love I mean, I, I go to a lot of different crypto websites to check it out. But I get that it's like, you know, it's not really a, known by the mainstream just yet. So what they're doing is they're just saying, oh, this is not known by the mainstream. Okay, well, we're not going to allow this in, you know, Wikipedia. And Charles is like, come on. Like he made a 10 minute video that just said, come on, guys, 
that's some BS. It was basically a rant on YouTube. I think you can watch it. And he was just saying that, like, he, it's just like, it's, he accused Wikipedia of being community run free encyclopedia hostile towards crypto. And I mean, on some level, sure, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I'm curious what you guys think about this. It's kind of just like, a, I can't believe it, it's a 10 minute video was made about it. Well, um, the first only thing, thing I'm going to say this? is I was trying to figure out who Dave Garrard was. Like, I know – I'm like, I've heard this name before. Like, who is this guy? Like, why do I know him? And I actually had to Google it because I, I couldn't remember. And first Google that came up was a magician. I'm like, it's not him. I know magicians. And then I remembered <laughs> Dave Garrard was quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> for a large one. period of time. I do not think they're the same guy. And I just thought that was funny that I just looked that up and found it. So, anyway – uh, that was my expert analysis. <laughs> All right, so I got I got two two comments here. One is about this specific edit. Uh, clicking here on your article, browsing through, it looks like the excuse that was given because at first at first sight, adding a reference about Ouroboros on a proof of stake entry seems totally acceptable. Why not? Like, you could could you not put right. something about proof of work uh, or Bitcoin on a proof of work uh, project? So therefore, it seems a little unfair to take him off. Now, the specific reason that was given by Wikipedia is that the wording itself was too, that it wasn't neutral. It says here, it talks about diligent research and innovative features, which lend credibility. So the argument is that this kind of wording is not appropriate in an encyclopedia, even if the content should be acceptable. I could buy that. I actually agree with them on that. Yes, I'm okay <laughs> with that. But the one thing I will say is before you posted the story, the only thing I had seen is Charles tweeted a picture of some of David Garrard's comments. And it basically said, this guy is a Wikipedia editor and he's editing our um, post and he doesn't belong doing it. And what it was, it's basically this guy saying something like, like somebody said, oh, the value proposition of this. And he said something like, the only value proposition in cryptocurrency would be for it to not exist. But I guess if it has to, at least the fact that you're shitting on it is a good thing. He was saying that to somebody on Twitter. So like, <laughs> I'm sorry. If that's your position, maybe you shouldn't be the person editing cryptocurrency uh, yeah. related articles. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want some, you know, w- whatever your political party is, you wouldn't want somebody who is like super gung ho against the other party, the biggest Hillary hater or the biggest Trump hater in the world, editing all the things about your party or something like that. Just, I don't know. Seems like uh, it's kind of. I, I can agree with that. I, I think that he probably has some own bias regards to, you know, crypto for some reason, um, negative bias. But yeah, I, I'm still not really sure. Like, there are so many proof of stakes out there, though. Like, it's like Bitcoin was like the original coin, you know, the original cryptocurrency. So it should be listed under cryptocurrency or something. Yeah, that's um, fine. But if you put like. Monero under proof of work, it wouldn't be out of place. Yeah, and listen, I'm not trying to be a Cardano fanboy, but I'm pretty sure Cardano is one of the only peer-reviewed pieces on proof of stake. So, like, anybody True. can start a cryptocurrency, but if you get your shit peer-reviewed by cryptography specialists, people who have PhDs in cryptography, and it's on the topic of proof of stake, then even just as a source, why couldn't your paper go on the article? Now, if the people who are trying to submit it are saying the amazing, unbelievable, unbiased, perfect Ouroboros is we so have amazing. The best proof okay, of well, stake. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, the best proof of steak. It's juicy, rare steak like nobody's seen before. You know it. I know it. <laughs> yes, I, they should have just changed their wording and moved on. But now, what did Charles do? And we've had this problem with with other people in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, what did he do? He started a fight. So now this guy's going to dig in as hard as he possibly can, and this will never get on there because yeah. it, because it became a thing. So, yeah, no, uh, it's uh, it, it's a good and look. Uh, as far as Cardano, because you said you're okay on him and we love him. I mean, uh, Charles. I like Charles. I think he's funny. And as far as his talks, I think he's one of the most informative crypto personalities. So I love listening yep. to him. And well-spoken when he's not you know, picking yeah, a fight. well-spoken. But just to be clear, my strong bias is for the Cardano idea, process over people, heavy on the science, go peer-reviewed. But like Charles himself, I think he has a lot of flaws. I think he definitely gets emotional. He gets in fights he shouldn't. Um, you know, uh, he's 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 a human. I guess uh, no no f- excessive fanboyness. Oh, there. So he big time my my boy Brent over here, yeah. and I just you know I got to stick up. I'm going to put that in the Wikipedia article right now. Actually, yeah. I will big say that the- I was there, and just to be clear, it's worse than it sounds. It was worse than. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good comedic timing there. Oh, and lastly, Hoskinson, like in his rant, he claimed that Spank Chain can have an article on Wikipedia. Why can't Cardano? And I guess like... Hey, Sp- shout out to Spank Chain. Spank Chain doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Oh, I don't know what he was talking it. about. But like, why you got to bring Spank Chain into this, Cardano? Like they, they, they're... Webcam... I don't know. No. I <laughs> Yeah, but it was just kind of funny. Like he, like, like the reference was like Spank Chain, but yeah. So that's it on uh, shots fired. I wish there were more shots fired this week, but um, we fired our own shots. Yeah, we're doing it. I've been speaking of shots. I've been unable to get any alcohol delivered to to my house. It's been rough. First world problems. People, we're playing the Dungeons and Dragons campaign on uh, on Discord tonight with some of the people from Florida and. I uh I wanted to have some beer, but I can't. So first world problems. And, I haven't uh, been able to get my hands on some toilet paper, and I think I'm down to my last two rolls. But everybody around me decided that Corona gives you diarrhea, and they're going to buy every piece of toilet paper in existence. Uh, if you had listened to the Crypto Basic podcast a few weeks ago, maybe a, more than a month ago, actually, one of the things I said was I bought a bunch of toilet paper. I don't know. Like, no, it seems but like- that's the thing. People like you are the problem. Like, I know you hinted <laughs> at me the solution. But what actually sucks is that everybody like you decided to unnecessarily hoard all the toilet paper. No, no, so that not unnecessarily. Responsible people like me or the little old ladies who are not hoarders got screwed and are going to have to wipe their butts with towels. Is that what you wanted, Brent? I bought a total of like, now I did buy a lot of bottled water, but I bought a total of like, I don't know, JJ's worried we're going to run out because I have mud butt a lot. So oh I God. use a lot okay, of yeah. I use more than your average. All right. Okay. Yeah, this I guess we went the, in the wrong direction. People, yeah, please anytime Brent uh, decides he wants hoard. to, you know. All right. Yeah, don't hoard. We're not financial advisors. This is entertainment. We're not hoarding advisors. We are uh, not medical experts either. I don't know if we talked about anything related. Yeah. But wash your hands. Don't we're just wash a bunch your of hands, people. We're just a bunch of butt wipers. That's all we are. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. See you guys later. Oh, 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 o